Hello everyone. Good morning, good evening, or good night, depending on when and where are you hearing us. I am Agustin Rosselló, and this is Canopy Conversations Season 2. Canopy Conversations Season 2 is the second edition of the podcast created by IFSA, the International Forestry Students Association. This is the largest international network of students in forestry and related fields. IFSA comes with a representation of over 120 universities from every continent, and this year we will celebrate the 50th anniversary of our yearly event, the International Forestry Students Symposium IFSS. This season will take you to Glasgow, Scotland, where in November 2021, IFSA, in its role as an observer youth organization of the United Nations processes, sent a delegation to the UNFCCC COP26. Together with amazing guests, we will review the Conference of the Youth, COI16, the Conference of the Parties, COP26, the Global Landscape Forum on Climate, GLF Climate, and some first-hand experiences of being a part of an IFSA delegation on such important events and policy processes. In this episode, we will talk about GLF Climate, an event organized by the Global Landscape Forum in the weekend between the two weeks of the UNFCCC Conference of the Parties. For this, we have two amazing guests here with us. First of all, let me introduce you to an amazing Italian woman who works as a youth coordinator for the Youth in Landscape Initiative Yield on the Global Landscape Forum, Anna Bucci. How are you doing, Anna? All good, all good, Agustin. Thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> no, our pleasure. Uh, our second guest for, for this episode is Augusta Senesi, an English researcher and consultant that has been able to raise her voice into the highest level discussions, participating as a speaker in the Green Finance Experts Panel at GLF Climate. How are you doing today, Augusta? Great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Uh, thank you both for, for making time in your busy shadows and climbing in the tree to have this amazing canopy conversation. First thing first, uh, could you introduce yourself a little bit, tell the audience uh, where are you right now and what are you doing with your professional life? We can keep the order and start with Anna. Sure, thanks, Agustin. Um, okay, so where I'm right now, I'm in Italy. Um, just because of the pandemic and home office, uh, I'm working from here, but I work uh, in uh, Germany at the Global Landscapes Forum. Um, so I'm the youth coordinator there, where I work uh, with the amazing Youth in Landscapes Initiative, of which IPSA is also a part. And um, what, what I do is mainly to coordinate the engagement of young people for all GLF activities. So young people at the GLF is anyone between 18 and 35 years old. So it's actually a really nice uh, uh, job that um, makes me meet a lot of amazing, passionate people uh, like you two guys. <laughs> Back to you, Agustin. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. That's really great to hear. And First of all, congratulations on everything you have achieved and the opportunities you have set not only for us IFSA community, but also for all the others that are part of the Youth in Landscape Initiative. Um, now going to Augusta, where are you at and what's your story? Could you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, um, so 
at the moment, I am currently in the Gambia, in the Sahel region of West Africa. Um, I work as an ethnographic researcher and policy consultant, and I focus on indigenous, displaced and rural communities across Africa and the Pacific. And at the moment, I've relocated to Africa for the next, I guess, two years, which is crazy to say. Um, one, to prepare for the launch of my ethnographic research consultancy, Walinda Lingo, uh, which, launches, which launches in spring this year. And also to fulfill a number of different contracts as a technical advisor um, and consultant for different NGOs, government institutions and research institutions across the entire continent of Africa. So... It's been really a really interesting six weeks um, since I moved to Africa. Uh, busy, <laughs> but I'm really excited and, and thankful to be here and thank for the opportunity to be on your podcast. So thanks for having me. Well, that's really awesome and really thank you a lot for for this time, for having a talk with us and for sharing your experience and all the things you've achieved and you are planning on achieving in the future. So. Now, passing a little bit to the to the conversation in a little more serious way, I would like to get you into the topic that brought us together today. Um, how good was for you the movie Don't Look Up? Now, but now actually going into the real topic why we're here, we're to we're here to talk about GLF Climate Glasgow 2022: Frontiers of Change, Forest, Food, and Finance. Anna, um, could you maybe explain to us a little bit what GLF Climate is and what is your role for, for this specific event? For sure. So indeed, as you said, so the full title was GLF Climate, Forest, Food and Finance Frontiers of Change. Um, it happened both digitally and in Glasgow in person alongside uh, COP26. Uh, it was over the weekend from Friday to Sunday. So it was three days, three full days um, of event. The first day was all around forest. The second day, all around food and the last day all around finance. Um, overall, we had um, a lot of people dining, uh, around 300 people in person, but over 4,000 people dined from all over the world among scientists, activists, indigenous leaders, youth government leaders, um, and more, uh, all dining digitally, of course, and from around 140 countries. So um, it was quite of a big event um, that aimed at exploring the potential of three key climate solutions. So forest restoration, so as I said earlier, the first day was all around forest, resilient food systems, and sustainable finance. Um, and during the three days, we had the opportunity to have different sessions like um, plenaries, interactive sessions, uh, landscape talks, uh, uh, workshops, uh, and more. Um, uh, but I'm sure, yeah, there will be more time to also share outcome uh, on it. Uh, but my role uh, for this uh, specific event uh, in person there in Glasgow was mainly to uh, coordinate uh, uh, with uh, the in-person volunteers. We had an, an amazing group of around 20 volunteers who came and um, joined us and supported di with different kind of uh, roles, uh, including uh, moderating, uh, emceeing, uh, but also rapporteuring. Uh, so we had usually volunteer both online and in-person, and in-person is always uh, um 
nice to actually be there as well. And um, and then as well, coordinate different uh, in-sessions persons that we as the youth uh, team had organized. And one of these was uh, a climate cafe, which was around uh, one and a half hour dialogue, I would call, in which uh, we gathered young people and talked about climate anxiety. Um, so that was also one of the highlights of the uh, of the conference for me. We weren't many people, but I think it was special also because of this, because uh, it really created a nice atmosphere for us all um, there. Um, and I think um, back to you, Augustine. Thank you. Really nice recap. And actually, from being there, it was a really nice experience. Like actually being able to to touch on some topics where we as ifs are are more taking part in the professional life. And uh, mentioned to Aditi Mishra that was also moderating in the volunteer team and did a really awesome job. So really congratulations, Anna, and, and everyone that was a part of this awesome event. Now, Augusta, for you, uh, from my eyes, it was a really totally different experience. Um, you were speaking there. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role? What was, what were you advocating for? What, how was that experience? Yep. So um, it was quite definitely um, a different experience for me. I mean, for one thing, when I was at um, Glasgow, I was working as a data research analyst for a financial service firm. Um, and I've since left that job and I'm now in Africa. So very different experience. Um, but yeah, so I was uh, I was um, contacted by GLF, um, the GLF team, I think about two weeks prior to um, the GLF climate event and was invited to speak at the GLF finance day, um, which was really cool because that's my first time reconnecting with the team um, in two years. Um, and so... I was kind of in and around COP for like a number of different reasons. I was also attending the UN World Biodiversity Summit um, and meeting up with a few of my um, indigenous and rural activists that were coming from the global south to um, the UK for the first time. So it was quite cool to get to reconnect with people. Um, but actually at GLF Climate, um, I was talking a bit more about um, green financing and financing green. And I was kind of advocating on a number of different fronts. So one of the main things that I wanted to draw attention to was the kind of exclusionary kind of overtones of COP26, the fact that a lot of young people and activists, um, rural and global staff representatives were priced out of Glasgow due to kind of just, I guess, the capitalization, as usual, um, of climate change, of making housing and um, the city quite inaccessible and quite expensive for a lot of representatives. And also just looking at the way that um, a, lot of, a lot of greenwashing and the platitudes that were being made by government representatives in different institutions. So a lot of pledges and promises were being made to meaningfully include Indigenous people recognising their roles as stewards in the environment. But the allocation, budget allocation was about 1.7 billion US dollars, considering um, Indigenous people kind of, um, sorry, Indigenous people look after and occupy over 75% of the Earth's surface. It's a kind of disproportionate um, amount of money considering the amount of 
the earth they occupy. And I also kind of called for and critiqued the predominance of Western institutions in the global south, um, just kind of reflecting on my time as a consultant and researcher in these communities, but also in terms of making it more difficult for local grassroots and NGOs to access international donor funds. So a lot of the time when you come to like African or global South communities, a lot of development and aid workers are foreign um, and they're the ones that get the funding from major donor partners and they implement the programs on the ground. And there's not really um, an easy kind of chain and access to financing for uh, grassroots NGOs in accessing funds to work on climate resilient solutions. So I was kind of calling for an increased need and, and look into microfinancing as well as a potential area of redress for communities that are trying to deal with the realities of climate change. So that's very wordy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, that was some of the things that I was doing um, at GLF Climate. <laughs> really, really awesome, really awesome. I, for, for me, being from Global South, actually leading the experience, these kind of reflections and initiatives are really needed. And I really appreciate that um, from people from the Global North and in the country that took us for this great event and build the space for the discussions are thinking about this stuff. It's really awesome. So I really thank you a lot, Augusta, for that. Thank um, you. <laughs> and Anna, for you, uh, what what do you think is the role of young people at, at the Global Landscape Forum? And could you tell us a little bit more about the Youth in Landscape Initiative and other ways of participating with GLF? Sure, thank you. And first of all, yes, um, I mean, here with Augusta uh, and you as well, Augustin, we also have um, a living example of what is the role of young people participating at the GLF, um, at a GLF event. So also what everything Augusta said really embodies as well what we hope young people do at the GLF, which is uh, really hoping they're uh, bringing their passion, bringing their knowledge and bringing their experience and um, uh, being in among those in the um, uh, in on the stage talking about uh, different topics uh, and uh, sharing their experience uh, um, in, in, a, in an intergenerational way, uh, which is really what we aim to achieve. So an intergenerational approach um, of just in general, uh, um, overall, the whole uh, GLF and all the events that we have. Um, in fact, I, I could say I would say that young people are a little bit everywhere at the GLF. Um, let alone that many young people, well, that many GLF uh, team members are actually young people. Uh, we have a whole youth team as well. Um, but apart from this, we have young people participating in many different ways, uh, from speaking in sessions or events like Gusta did, um, to volunteering, to participating to workshops, dialogues, or all the other activities uh, um, that, that we create throughout the whole year, but also indeed being a part of the planning and the creation bit. So um, at the beginning of every year, we open project teams, which are for Youth in Landscapes Initiative members to apply and to join and be a part of our first dreaming process, but then also implementation process. So we really want um, to co-create programs with young people. So uh, young people are not only participating at the GLF, but young people really make the GLF as well. 
And, and to do that, we work in close collaboration, as I said earlier, with the Youth in Landscapes Initiative. And just to say a little bit more about it, um, the Youth in Landscapes Initiative is a network of networks. And at the moment, it includes IFSA, of course, uh, YPART, which is the Young Professional for Agricultural Development, uh, GAIA, that is the Global Agroecology Alliance, and Youth for Nature. So together, those four organizations uh, um, create different kind of programs, both for capacity building um, and for um, supporting outreach and um, sharing youth knowledge and youth experience. So we have throughout the whole year different activities um, like workshops uh, or digital journeys uh, on different topics uh, all around landscape, uh, of course, uh, landscape leadership, landscape uh, restoration, um, but then we also have many sessions. So GLF, uh, we call them GLF Live, which are uh, 30 minutes uh, Instagram lives in which we interview different amazing people all around the world um, who can share their experience and uh, knowledge with us. Um, we have your daily shows during the during this. Uh, um, uh, and it's different events. Um, but we also have the restoration steward programs in which we support around five people all over the world every year to restore their own ecosystem. So we, we work here and there in many different um, aspects and uh, trying to impact in different ways. Um, and to be a part of, uh, uh, of the Youth Landscapes Initiative and of the activities that we um, carry out have Every year, uh, everybody can join our newsletter or our Twitter account, uh, social media account um, to really be up to date to all, with all the activities that we do because we publish all of them there and we always are um, super open. We, we publish them for like around one month. So there is time for people to apply and really make sure that um, they can be a part of it. Yeah, that's so, so, so awesome. Um, I was able to meet that team, not only build up of youth, but also a lot of women, of really inspiring women. So uh, that actually the job you you guys do is really awesome. And I really appreciate uh, and thank you in a personal basis uh, for GLF and also you for pushing forward in these topics and for opening spaces in which these necessary discussion discussions can happen. And for you, Augusta, um, as part of the youth involved in climate, um, how would you describe the opportunity of participating in an event like GLF Climate? Uh, and not only participating, but taking an active role in this intergenerational discussion that Anna was mentioning. Yeah, um, thanks for your question, Augustine. Um, to be honest, I don't think that I can attribute any part of my career development or growth um, without recognizing the role that GLF played in kind of helping me make sense of my, of my career. So about in 2019, I just got my first ever like high level position paper, um, shared at the UN SDG summit. And after that, I wasn't really sure what to do. I'd spent a couple of years, especially during my university degree, like consulting with different NGOs and national stakeholders. I was getting more and more UN contracts, but I didn't really know where I wanted to take my career until I had the opportunity to speak at GLF Luxembourg. And it was kind of at that time and attending the Youth and Landscapes workshops that I was able to really 
solidify my understanding of where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. And my consultancy really started to take shape from that. And I guess similarly, in a similar vein, this year, the GLF, GLF climate event, after I spoke at the summit and actually attending GLF climate, I was able to get a number of really interesting and exciting um, contracts of different NGOs, financial institutions that kind of gave me the push that I needed to, to quit my finance job. And I don't think that if I hadn't been a part of GLF or had the opportunity to have that level of exposure, that I would be here. So I definitely credit a lot of my success and my development to GLF. And I think that events like this, and I think not just events, I mean, there's so many nowadays um, organizations and summits that have young people speaking, um, but not really meaningfully including us. It's all about lip service and platitudes. And something that I really admire about the team at GLF and the events like GLF Climate is that young people are meaningfully included um, and fairly counted in um, discussions around climate, around the environment. And we get a, a chance to really like amplify our experiences and our platforms in a way that I think a lot of us know that it takes a lot longer and a lot more um, hurdles to jump through to, to usually get the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I definitely think that GLF is awesome. And I, I think I can't describe my involvement at GLF in any other way besides life-changing. Yeah, that's so, so, so good. Um, it looks like Anna's work is actually doing good. Um, for Augusta and for me too, for everyone, GLF has been a really awesome place. And I really, once again, congratulate you, Augusta, for the awesome things that you've been achieving in these past years. And... I'm sure you're going to to achieve even bigger stuff. Um, if you could, if anyone that wants could like resume in, in your three biggest takeaways from this particular GLF climate uh, frontiers of change, would you? What would you say it, it would be? Sound ideal. <laughs> yes, uh, cool. Um, okay, the first. Two things that come to my mind. Um, I guess the first one can count as two because it's long. <laughs> Is um, that through all the, the interactive sessions, all the plenaries that we had, um, I feel that one thing that really resonated with me and really stayed. It's something that in the end, probably is also obvious and we all know, but maybe the audience that we usually target knows, but maybe we need to reach out, you know, also to additional uh, audience and let's say challenging stakeholders that without collective actions, but also without individual behavioral changes or policies and investment that really put nature and people first, we cannot really achieve a healthy world. Um, this, this is, of course, not new, new news, <laughs> new information, um, but it just keeps resonating. And I hope we can um, really make people also outside the environmental sphere understand this, um, which leads also to my uh, second main uh, takeaway, which is that we need to cooperate across sectors, across generation, across countries. The challenges we are facing right now are challenges that we need to tackle all together collaboratively, and we should stop replicating each other's works, but we should 
um, start really ensuring we collaborate and we work, we, we build on uh, each other work and effort. I think those two big uh, takeaways from me. Perfect. That's really awesome. Maybe Augusta, was it the same for you or, or would you add something else as your personal takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I definitely echo a lot of what Anna said. Um, I guess for me, my three biggest takeaways was one, I know this sounds horrible, but I was really excited about the finance conversations, especially the call that we should start to look at the environment as a commodity, as a precious commodity. And I think the reason is that we've spent so much, especially, I guess, in capitalist societies and amongst big financial institutions and organizations, we've really failed to recognize the significance and importance of nature. Um, and as a result of that, we take from her, we don't look after her, nurture her. And we're seeing really severe and horrible volatility and impacts of our kind of wanton disregard for the environment affecting communities disproportionately in the global south. I mean, even here today, I've just had a meeting um, with the National Environmental Agency in the Gambia. And one of the things that we were looking at is how increased climate volatility was was creating greater insecurity. So resource insecurity, um, making it harder for people and making people in the Sahel commute further just to get um, access to uh, running water. And how even the, the, the soil erosion in farming lands is creating more tension amongst farming communities as they start to look for new areas to live. So I think if we start to recognize the inherent value and, and importance of um, the planet and nature, then maybe we'll start to look after her better. My second big takeaway from um, GLF Climate, actually, it was, it was I think it was um, one of the, it was on the financial day, the finance day. And one of the panelists actually said that we actually need to stop looking um, at climate change as simply just being about climate prevention and also looking at climate adaptation. Um, a lot of people already um, around, around the world are, have already started to feel the effects of, of, rising, of rising temperatures and of, um, I guess, the erosion and the, the, the general kind of degradation of the ozone layer. And so it's not just enough to try and reverse the worst effects of climate change. We need to try and help mitigate the worst effects of it and worst impacts of it for communities that are facing it now. So what solutions can we build to help people that are dealing with uh, rising temperatures, hotter climates that aren't able to get water or energy or minerals from the, their usual sources that they've relied on for centuries? What can we do to help those that haven't got the means of mobilization or who maybe don't have the oxygen of publicity? How can we help them tackle our new climate reality? And I guess the third takeaway that I have from GLF is <laughs> something I keep harping on about um, and I'm pretty sure if you ever get me onto your podcast again I'll probably say it again but it's the the it's the era of post-development we are at a time and at a stage in the world where it cannot just be the same old blah 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 we can't keep having western institutions west the global north dictating how we tackle the environment and one thing that i'm really excited about is seeing the rise in global south activists indigenous people having a more meaningful role and involvement in 
climate conversations. Whilst I was at GLF and also in and around Glasgow for COP, I had some time to connect with some of the elders from Minha Indigenera. That's my very bad Spanish there, but um, it's an indigenous organization um, that um, that came from um, Latin America. And they ran a number of different workshops and talks about the environment and climate change. The NDN Collective, which are a group of Native American activists from North America, and just seeing the role of um, people from Africa, parts of the Pacific, um, even the First Minister of Barbados talking very real in real time about the about the fact that it's time for the, the global North, uh, which unfortunately includes me, and I'm guessing Anna too. From we are no longer kind of the, the leaders in the charge of how we tackle climate change, and we need to pass the baton on to the communities that know maybe a bit more than we do. So those are my three very wordy <laughs> takeaways from GLF Climate. <laughs> no, but I I would hear you both um, for a long while. It's really awesome takeaways. Um, this cooperation between different um, sciences and finance and different ways of achieving this cooperation and and how to actually work with nature with a view from maybe now more in the global south and in the global north because they still have the connection with the with how the nature works so now it's really awesome to hear you talk about this this awesome events and this awesome experience that was being in Glasgow on on these two weeks um, to start closing this this episode now because of time I would like to ask you the uh, last question um, from your experience and all these years of hard work, um, what advice would you girls give to the Anna or Augusta of the past? And what capacities would you tell her to focus on? What opportunities would you tell her to take? Or any advice that you girls would like to give our youth audi audience that is hearing us today? We can go with Anna first, if you want. Sure, thanks, Agustin. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, and I think, Probably the first thing that came to my mind when thinking about what advice would I give to the unknown the past is to dream big. Um, I feel that if you are passionate and motivated about what you like and what you want to achieve, the impact that you want to have, um, and if you're, of course, surrounded by the right people as well, um, you can really work through it and you can... Um, achieve really nice things. So I would always uh, suggest young people to dream big and really um, work for the for their dreams. And Augusta here, um, it's a wonderful example of how dreaming big can really um, bring you uh, far and to have a great impact. And what, what you do, Augusta, is amazing. Um, so really, um, I think you are... You're really an example of um, of this uh, suggestion. And um, regarding the skills and capacities, uh, um, to be honest, I don't feel like there is one specific skill or capacity that I would suggest people to focus on. Just find what you're good at, um, find what you like, and and yeah, and push on these. Uh, strengthen these skills that you already are have there uh, everybody has the different skills and sometimes uh, um, 
those who are maybe less vocal uh, see themselves as uh, less skilled just you know because uh, they're maybe not as vocal as others uh, um, but no everybody has a different skill everybody has a different uh, way to have an impact in this world so just find what's your way and and do your best um, to um, yeah to to live uh, what is that you want to live that's great. And I dream big and get big. <laughs> Augusta, what would you say to your past Augusta? Um, well, first thing I can't um, get into the question about saying, Anna, that you know how much um, you inspire me and I love you and GLF and everything you guys have done. So thank you again for everything. Um, I think this is a really good question. Um, just simply because I had my birthday about... Two weeks ago, I turned 24. And for some reason, this birthday has caused me so much anxiety for the last year. I've just felt like I didn't know which direction I wanted to go in life. I told you at one point, at least for three fleeting months, I decided to forego my advocacy work and try and work in finance, which was an unhappy marriage, I can say that. Um, so I guess if there's something I would say to August of the past, it's just continue to be fearless. I think that I definitely suffer from foot and mouth disease. I I think the, the that logical part between your brain and your mouth that stops you from saying silly things um, doesn't always work with me. And so I always, I think I just, I'm a continuous stream of consciousness and it especially becomes heightened when I see things that I think are wrong or unjust. And one thing that you notice, especially when you look at all of like the different young activists like Greta Thunberg, Vanessa Nakate, is just how polarizing for some reason their advocacy work and their existence seems to be for um, adults. And I think if there was one advice that I would give to my younger self, it would be get used to people not liking you. Um, when you want to be a change maker, when you want to to correct what you think are kind of centuries of, of, of civil wrongs, sometimes you're going to be disliked. And I think you have to get used to being uncomfortable a lot sooner. Um, in terms of capacities that I would tell myself to focus on, um, it's a work in progress. And I think your audience might have noticed this today. Um, public speaking. I definitely speak too fast when I'm very passionate. And I think that sometimes we get so wrapped up, especially in my case, especially with ethnographic research. I get so wrapped up in the academics of, of my topics that I sometimes make it difficult for everyone to connect with what I'm saying and I think for anyone that's really passionate about about any aspect of climate change or environmentalism or forestry make sure that you're an effective communicator and you can communicate your ideas to audiences of different skill sets especially if we're trying to to battle the inequalities of who gets to talk about climate change who gets to come up with solutions for change um, because not everyone has the same access to education in terms of opportunities that I would take, I would I think I've taken the biggest risk of my life moving to Africa. So I think I'm I'm on the right path, um, the right path for now. And in terms of the audience listening today, the one um, bit of advice that I would give you guys is to um, focus on being yourself, develop your own identity that's divorced from what everyone else is doing. Don't just do something because it seems cool. And the second, I guess, most important advice today is can we stop with the polarizations um, what I mean by that is I think that 
our society, especially in our generation of cancel culture, um, we try to fit everyone into a band camp, either for climate change or against climate change. And even when we looked at the the last day of of, um, COP26 and we saw the resolutions, um, basically to water down the the bill about um, fossil fuels because of of China and India. I think what we forget, especially when we talk about solutions to climate change, is that not every society has the capabilities or means to immediately turn towards a green future straight away. And if we are talking about climate change, we have to remember that a a just transition has to be central to that. We can't let developing countries become further disadvantaged because we're trying to hit climate quotas. Um, And I think in that same way, we need to give people um, the grace to have opinions that differ to ours. And instead of just cancelling them for having controversial opinions, we should be looking to build consensus and trying to understand where they come from. And if we can't agree where they come from, at least respect that everyone is entitled to their own opinion. <laughs> well, thank, thank you both for these really inspiring words and I invite you all to actually follow these two amazing women which I personally admire a lot, uh, advices and thank you for being part of this really beautiful moment. Um, I have one really last question that I hope you guys are sure because we're running out of time but even though you maybe thought it was a joke, um, I want to surely go back to the movie Don't Look Up. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but if not, I hope you see it soon. It's really eye-opening. And this movie stars Leo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hills, and many others. And it's um, opening a struggle that we might find ourselves when we are getting into these um, spaces. Um, for me, at, at some point, at least, it felt really overwhelming to realize this. And at the same point, it was overwhelming when, where, while I was at COP and at GLF and all these events. And what would you recommend uh, young people for them not to feel overwhelmed with this uh, reality and for them to keep fighting and for a better future? Um I guess I start. Um, I it's uh, it's interesting and maybe a little bit sad as well uh, because just last week on Friday I received an email of a youth organization that asked suggestions and direction for um, because they uh, they were doing their work and they could see how um, the people around them weren't so interested about the work that they were doing uh, in their landscape and specifically uh, politicians uh, weren't interested um, in this work. Um, So it just kind of, you know, made me think, um, now having this question here, it made me think of uh, this email I received last week and the movie as well. Um, And the, the answer I gave to this youth organization um, among other things, one things that one thing that I think it's really important um, is to find your community, because uh, finding your community, I think it's uh, it's helpful for you not to lose 
uh, perspective, not to lose enthusiasm of what you want to do and keep fighting and keep pushing for uh, what your objective is. Uh, finding your community makes you understand that you are not alone in what you're doing. And I feel that sometimes when you feel alone, you might feel indeed overwhelmed and you might feel like you would never um, achieve anything that you're thinking. Um, but it's not true. But having also someone around you that feels the same way, um, I think it's it's a it's a power and it's a resource. Um, so yeah, that's what I feel like sharing now. <laughs> Augusta, or to you, I guess. Yeah, thank you, Anna. Um, I think I have to just echo what you're saying. Um, I'm coming to the end of my time here in the Gambia. And I've had the opportunity to work with um, a number of incredible youth organizations, including um, young volunteers with the environment, the Gambia. And just in my interactions with them, even just seeing what they talk so passionately and ardently about climate change in a country and with a government that clearly does not prioritize protecting the interests of the future of their of generations to come. I think there is some, there's really something powerful about having strength in community. And if you can't find that support in your local community, try and build coalitions globally. There are so many incredible regional movements for young people working on climate change, looking to be inspired. Um, and if you have the means and the access in, to the internet, then I would definitely say seek out those that can help you remember why we're all fighting. Well, this is, has been a really awesome hour. I really appreciate um, your advices, your, your, for you sharing your experience with us, your time. And really thank you for everything. Wish you the best of luck for this 2022, you know, the challenges you've got in front of you. I hope you achieve everything you want. And let's keep fighting for the good side together. Um, I invite you to give a final message if you want, just a short, um, how did you feel in this conversation? Um, um, then we can close. Yeah, thank you so much, Augustine, Augusta. Uh, it's always nice uh, to catch up with both of you. Uh, we should do this more often. Um, and yeah, it was uh, lovely. And I wish everybody a happy new year as well. Okay, well, I'm going to be a bit cheeky with my final message and encourage anyone listening to follow Willinda Lingo on um, our LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter accounts and also our YouTube page. Um, in the next few months, you should see some job adverts going up for remote and in-person um, employees and team members across Africa, the Pacific and parts of Europe. And we'll be offering a mixture of voluntary and paid roles and even in our voluntary roles, We'll also be offering some stipends because we do not believe in free labor and we do not believe in youth exploitation. <laughs> Perfect. That's epic. So everyone go and follow Walinda Lingo. And Anna, if you want to say something about GLF, I actually forgot that part on, on the script. So please feel free. Sure. Uh, we, we are just developing the uh, plans for this year and we have a lot of amazing opportunities uh, for young people all over the world to join different events, but as always also activities and um, capacity building activities. So workshops, dialogues uh, and networking opportunities. So I would just say to keep an eye on uh, the GLF and the Youth in Landscapes Initiative uh, uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook, also 
Instagram uh, social media accounts. And if you're not in the youth newsletter of the Global Landscapes Forum yet, you can sign up there and you will receive all kind of opportunities that, uh, that you can participate to there. So um, yes, that's it. Okay, thank you. Thank you a lot, girls, and hope to see you soon. And if you want to find out more about IPSA, please go to ipsa.net or you can find us on our social media by searching for ipsa.net. If you have any questions, suggestions, or any idea for future episodes, please don't hesitate and reach us by emailing podcast at ipsa.net. And join us next time on our journey to a world that appreciates forests.